and welcome to Matt Brett Love Comics. This is one of your hosts, Brett. Matt is away fighting the Banshees of the Deep right now. That's a thing I just made up off the top of my head. That makes no sense. Uh, but we are joined today by a special a special guest um, in another installment in our ongoing saga of Wizard Tales. It's like, gather around, children. For more tales from the wizard, uh, Mr. T.J. Deach. Hello, Brett. How yeah. are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> this is going to be a very formal talk. Um, we basically did an impromptu one of these at New York Comic Con, just at a bar, with yeah. no recording. No, it was probably for the best. Yeah, there are some stories that that the, those will be told later on. When I do my documentary. Yeah. Or when I actually get to the No Holds Barred oral history uh, book of, of uh, Wizard Magazine. Um, but people who don't know, Wizard Magazine was, because it's all in the past tense now, <laughs> uh, Wizard Magazine was a magazine that ran from, what, 1991? 92? Yeah, it was around there, because the first one was like a weird pamphlet thing oh, yeah. that came out. But yeah, it was around then. And was the first, was number one, like, Spawn wearing the wizard robes, or was it Spider-Man? It was Spider-Man. Yeah, I think it was Spider-Man, and then they always did that purple hat for, like, a long time. (laughs) Um, And then it ran up until just a couple years ago. 2010, I think? 2011? It turned into a digital magazine for a little while. Yep, at the very end. Which I think they only did one issue of, maybe? No, there were there were probably six or seven because I still wrote the toy column for them for a while. Oh yeah, so TJ worked at Toy Fair magazine, which means that we've now hit a Toy Fair trifecta. Because yeah. you worked alongside John Gutierrez and Justin Acklin, who we've uh, had on the show before, doing some Wizard Tales. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure my make sure my air conditioning was off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you uh, how. I would like to know, when did you first encounter Wizard Magazine? This is a thing that I always ask people, and I don't know these things. I don't know the answers to this. Right. I discovered, oh man, I don't know the exact year, and I think the magazine might have been in the 50s or 60s at this point, but I had been kind of casually reading comics, and I went to a Walden Books with my mom in the mall, and I saw a cover that looked ridiculous and awesome at the same time and it was for heroes were born and so it was like i think it was a jam piece between liefeld and jim lee yeah so it's like i think it's like iron man and captain america or something like that in those classic classic redesigns oh man <laughs> the best thing to do is change one thing on a character's costume because <laughs> captain america had that weird like falcon or something on his forehead yeah and no wings more wings i can't remember what the deal with the wings were but yeah you know, Oddly enough, though, that issue got me into Marvel Comics because I was a big DC kid. Uh, I got in with the death of Superman, but that kind of new crazy thing that they were trying with Marvel got me reading all four of those books. So it worked. Yeah, it did. And that issue <laughs> also had a tiny article about the upcoming JLA book, which was the big relaunch. Yeah was, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, bringing all the big guns back. The Grant Morrison, Howard Porter. Yeah, which is awesome. And uh, from there, I think I just kept picking it up anytime we'd go to the mall and then got a subscription eventually. And I would just, you know, tear through it every time I got an issue. Because as you remember, it wasn't 
always the deepest coverage of things, but there were yeah. a lot of cool little news bites and graphics, and it had kind of a sense of humor. And... Yeah, that's and um, that's that's one of the things I really remember about Wizard Magazine was the humor of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like, I mean, we were all in like middle school, I guess, when we discovered <laughs> Wizard Magazine. It's, I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that that magazine really catered towards a middle schooler mentality in a good way. Um, that's not a diss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, were you around for when Toy Fair started? Do you remember that? Yeah, I actually somewhere I have either the first or second Toy Fair special, um, and I think it's the one where Mego Spidey was chasing tiny Jawas along the bottom of oh, all of the pages. Yeah, and they would, like... I remember a couple of them got splatted. Oh, yeah. And it <laughs> like, was, like, kind of gross to me. I was like, ew, there's, like, Jala blood on this issue. Yeah, it was definitely... It, and, again, to the humor point, I mean, that magazine had even more of it. Uh, and I'd always been a toy collector. You know, when I was a little kid, I would do, you know, the He-Man, Ninja Turtles, all those figures. And then I got into the... Spider-Man, Iron Man, and Fantastic Four toys based on the cartoons. And oh, not the X-Men? Oh, and the X-Men. Okay, I was like, that's a big oversight. Right, I apologize. <laughs> I actually have an entire big copy paper box filled with just X-Men, okay. and then everybody else is in the other box. <laughs> okay, thank God. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. And that's actually my biggest, most long-term exposure to the X-Men, I think. Yeah, that's, that's a, it's a gateway drug. Yeah, I liked. I mean, all the Iron Man figures had like armor you could remove. I liked that, and I liked the Mister Fantastic had like the weird putty rubber arms. Yeah, Toy Biz did some really cool yeah. action features uh, for those toys that were a lot of fun. And it was right before I kind of realized that like I didn't need ten versions of Iron Man, so it was <laughs> perfect <laughs> for all those clip-on armors and whatnot. Yeah, eventually I just got rid. I stopped buying all the cables and Wolverines because I just kept making them. Uh, so, I mean, did you, did you read Wizard Magazine all the way up to getting an internship there, or was there, like, a drop-off period? No, I'm actually not one of those guys that had the drop-off. Uh, I read comics starting in, I guess, 92, and, um, you know, to this day, not nearly as regularly, and I don't go to the shop as much, or at all, really, because they all closed down, but... Well, yeah. Economy! (laughs) I, like, in 15 minutes from my house... When we moved here, and then they both shut down. So, jeez. Uh, so yeah, so you were, were you, you were still reading Wizard when you decided to like apply for an internship there. Like, what was that process? Exactly. I remembered in college because everybody's you know telling you that an internship is the way to go, and I was an English major with the nearly pointless degree focus of <laughs> uh, creative writing and uh, literature. So, you know, trying to figure out, like, what can I even do with this (laughs) stuff? I didn't go in thinking I'm going to do this cool job. I mean, I always kind of wanted to be a comic book writer, but that wasn't, like, the thing that I was going to do right away. Yeah. And so years before, maybe, like, when we would have been in high school, Wizard actually did a feature about how to get into comics. And so the next time I went home from college, I dug that issue out, and along the bottom of the page they had infographics on who you could send your resumes to at all the different companies. Oh. And so what I did was I sent them to, and this was right as kind of resumes were changing. So now it's all digital and and email and whatnot, which makes me sound like my grandpa, but (laughs) (laughs) 
the at that point it was still you know print out a cover letter and uh, get some fancy paper for your resume and send it off so i did dc marvel a couple magazines i think and wizard and wizard was actually the only one that got back to me and it just happened to work out that i wound up going there the summer between my junior and senior year of college and where did you go to college was that a big commute Oh, yeah. I, uh, I'm from Ohio. I'm from Toledo, which is kind of northwest Ohio. And then the school I went to was in central Ohio called Ohio Wesleyan. And yeah. to drive from there to out here is probably like nine or ten hours. So, so that, was a big, that was a big internship. That was a big move. That was huge, yeah. And originally when you know, they told me about the job or the internship, they said that there wasn't any pay. They would pay like a stipend for food and I think mileage or something like that. But then, you know, the day I moved in, I roomed with a guy at a nearby college that was super religious and actually made us sign waivers saying that we would not drink, do drugs, or dance. Like, those, <laughs> that was the same sentence. And oh, One of those is not like the other people. Yeah, not even close. Not even close, you guys. But no I toe tapping. Stayed there, and, and luckily they wound up paying us a little bit more, which enabled me to uh, drink at the bars in Nyack. <laughs> <laughs> and dance at the bars in Nyack. Yeah. Well, I danced in the room. I didn't drink, actually, but I did dance. <laughs> Just out of spite. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, what was that internship like? Like, what was your first day uh, at the Wizard uh, Complex? Because that place was almost like a dustier, like Willy Wonka's in a way. <laughs> yeah, man, it totally. And, you know, let's, I think this would have been maybe like four, three, four years before you got there, so it wasn't even quite as dusty. And, of course, <laughs> like your first day, everything looks sparkly and magical anyway. Yeah. Uh, I remember walking in, and there's that lobby. Huge lobby. Huge lobby that almost nobody used. You know, occasionally we'd go do meetings out there or whatever, but for the most part, you know, nobody really came to the building. And I remember the lobby when I was there had a pinball machine. Um, it also had all those Alex Ross Justice League paintings. Yep, and then framed. the X Men two like tall banner posters. Yeah, were yeah. in the windows, so you couldn't actually see in the building. <laughs> but yeah, we never used those. I don't know if anyone ever sat out there. No. I mean, a couple times, like, when we were waiting to go to lunch, maybe, or yeah. <laughs> the conference rooms were taken, there was a table out there. But, yeah, I think my parents might have been with me, or they might have come later. And, you know, I remember my mom later on being like, this looks just like the place that you belong. Because you walk down the <laughs> hall, you know, there's, like, there was a big poster that Alex Ross did of, like, Madman. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And there were all these things on the wall, and then when you got to the bullpen area, almost every single existing Bowen minibus statue was yeah. kind of like lining that short wall around yeah, them. Yeah, they had like all those three quarter and like three quarter of the way up to the ceiling walls, like I don't yeah. know, like five, six foot, six foot tall walls, maybe. Like they were, yeah. Uh, and they were all; those were all Brian Cunningham's, I do believe. Yes. As yeah. far as I know, every single one of those was his. Uh, wizard, wizard, uh, superstar, and current DC editor Brian Cunningham. I don't know. Brian Cunningham was the only face I recognized when I started working at Wizard from the magazine. <laughs> like yeah, I was kind of starstruck. Thing. Yeah, because at that point they were doing oh man, what was it called? Like last page or something like that, where they would do basically toy fair gags with the wizard guys' heads on the Mego bodies. Oh man. See, now I have, I have this hankering now to go back and buy, like, 2005-era Wizard magazines just for that. 
you will see my face in a couple of them because um, we got to do one of those shoots all the interns did and uh, we actually had six guys that were interns at the same time just in editorial oh, wow. and then I think there were like a couple there was like a design intern and a research intern I mean I think total there were maybe eight or nine people where did you all sit over to the side over <laughs> um Let's see, four of us were in a little alcove off of the inquest area, which was back in a corner, as you would expect. And then they had this little offshoot that we just called the intern cave. And they fit four of us in there. We each had our own computer and I think two phones for all four of us. And then Ricky Purden was somewhere else because he had been there the year before. He now works at D.C., and he was somewhere else, and then the the last guy was in, actually in the Toy Fair office. So they really had to kind of spread us out because there were so many. It is it's weird hearing that there were you know upwards of ten interns at one time because my year there it seemed a little bit more bare bones, and they also kept shedding people the year I was there. <laughs> so it yeah, is, we probably it is... Lost ten people the entire time you were <laughs> there if not more yeah and i think that, i think about maybe 25 people were laid off or quit during my year there did you keep the old um contact sheet for the building and cross people off i know somebody had like <laughs> the you know like everybody's extension from a certain point and yeah had kept track of how many i feel like i did do that but i don't think i still have it i but i do i feel like i did cross people <laughs> i remember somebody had that and it was always depressing so what were what were your responsibilities as an intern at wizard magazine and this would be what 2005 or so 2004 2005 yeah i think 2004 that summer i want to okay. say what were our responsibilities i know every every day one of us had to go up into the research library which was where they stored all the comic books and trades that they would get every week. And that was upstairs, like at the top of a stairwell, kind mm-hmm. of. Like it yeah. was very, it was out of the way. Right, and it was a fairly thin room, but there were shelves on both sides, just completely covered with comics. Yeah. And for a long time, apparently nobody really organized them, and so we were kind of in there alphabetizing and also getting rid of extra comics, because sometimes they'd have like four or six copies of the same book. And they said, uh, leave two, put the rest in a box. And then later on, we actually got to go through that box and take <laughs> what we wanted from the extras. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which was awesome. Uh, were there were there any comics you were surprised were just up there, like duplicates of? Like Black Costume Spider-Man First Appearance or things like that? The Avengers 10 annual? Whoa, Rogue's First Appearance? Yeah, yeah. There were a couple copies of that. And actually, when they shut down the library, we got to go up there and take even more stuff. And I grabbed a copy that I think is signed by George Perez. Wow. So that's somewhere in my, my <laughs> art. <laughs> so interns had to alphabetize things. That seems like pretty standard intern fare. Um, any other unglamorous uh, things you had to, had to do? Yeah, I mean, uh, that wasn't so bad. And I'm kind of like an organizationally minded person. So that... that fed into at least that part. That's what I expected everything to be. But we also actually got to write for the magazine, and I think we filled in most of the price guide sidebars, because, you know, back then I think the price guide would have been like 12 pages, and every page had one little sidebar of yeah. some tag or 
funny joke or like these comics are hot and occasionally some news articles that went in the front yeah. so like the first few people I remember interviewing were like Ron Mars for something which was awesome because I was a huge Green Lantern fan and somebody who was doing like the Batgirl book and just kind of all these little things that would kind of pop up that we would that we would do and we got to sit in on story meetings and actually do like a lot more stuff than I even thought would be on the table they really integrated us a lot more than I think any of us thought to the yeah. point where like we would all hang out with editorial like for lunches and after work and one one house a bunch of guys lived in and we'd go to barbecues there on the weekends and then hang out in Nyack because everybody kind of lived near this town uh, near there called Nyack that had kind of a cool like bar scene so it was a lot more open and kind of like welcoming than I figured it would yeah. be and it seems like that, I mean, when I was there, we didn't have any interns the entire time I was there, I don't think. Um, but even, like, the uh, the people that were still, like, above you didn't really feel like they were above you. Everyone felt very close in age. I don't know if the people who were on editorial when you were there as an intern, did they feel like, you know, seniors, like, more older people, or were they more closer in your age? They didn't seem older just more experienced yeah because it was we already talked about brian cunningham he was there and let's see alex segura who's also over at dc was there and andy serwin and mike cotton and chris ward was a staff writer at the time and i think he was only a year older than me so he felt about the same age and so a lot of the guys even if they'd been there longer were still pretty social and would hang out but yeah i mean just having the experience because honestly when i went in the only source of comic book news i ever had was wizard and the first day they were like why don't you guys check the websites and see what's kind of happening that might make for a good news story like on cbr and i'm like after the he walked out i remember turning to the other guys i was like uh, what is Newsarama? Yeah. <laughs> what CBR? Which is funny because now I write for them. But I, I had no idea. I was just like one source of information was cool for me, and so I wound up learning a, a lot about every aspect of, of yeah you know, zines comics. That almost feels like you know how like in a movie when a character coughs in Act One and you're like oh they're they're dead in Act Three. <laughs> that seems exactly like that cough like. Yep. Go, go check out these other websites for just anything. What are websites? And then what ends up killing Wizard in 2008 or 9? The internet. Like, it's yeah. so weird. Um, yeah, so that, that's a really interesting uh, thing that I kind of want to latch on to. Like, I don't even think that I even discovered comic book websites until, like you said, like 2007 or so. I think I just got everything from Wizard. And Wizard's website at the time, I'm sure, wasn't as advanced as it was in 2008, which at that point it also wasn't advanced. Right. It was only advanced for like one small chunk until they fired all those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was for, – for me, growing up, like I read comics. None of my friends were really into it. Maybe like a couple people I would get into, like Superman or whatever. But it was just something that I kind of did. And then Wizard was kind of how I kept up on everything. And beyond that, I just did other stuff. So it wasn't, like, obsess- obsessing about yeah. it. So it was just like, this is a thing I like. I'm going to get 
this much information, that's perfect, and then I, I can go on. Satisfied with the amount of information I have. Move right, on. exactly. Uh, and now, just a lot more information to try and keep up on. <laughs> when you were an intern, did you also get to go to conventions as well? The Wizard World shows? The only show that I went to actually took place after my internship. I could only be there for nine weeks because I had to come home and get my wisdom teeth pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. That got taken care of. And then I think the week or two after that was Chicago, which blew my mind how big this show was. And I don't yeah. even know in comparison like to New York Comic Con is the only other big show I've been to. But before that, I'd only been to like the Mid-Ohio Con, which was fairly big size and had a pretty good turnout, but nowhere near as large as this. And since we were kind of low men on the totem pole, we got jobs like uh, Corral Wranglers in the morning, all the VIPs. And I'm putting that in air quotes, but you can't see it because it's an audio podcast. <laughs> all the VIPs, of which there were many got corralled in these giant metal things that look like they should have cows or, or livestock yeah. in them. And of course they're all mad because they think they're very important even though all you had to do was pay a couple extra bucks for these tickets. Yeah. And to make more room, one of the big loud guys who I don't even quite remember anymore just kept shouting, move forward, move forward. And so we were sitting there kind of directing everybody where to go. And just, it was a loud boring job and i'm pretty sure we had been out drinking in the lobby the night before <laughs> extensively and just it was tough but beyond that i think we did like line watching making sure lines went the right way and, and just little stuff but i still had time to kind of run around yeah and i bought some like original art there for the first time and some you never um did you ever work the trivia wheel at the wizard booth not as an intern, but yeah, when I when I was an actual employee, because we used to actually set up a booth for comic New York Comic Con. Yeah, and I had booth duty there, and I think I did it in Philly a couple times. I yeah. always I always loved doing the trivia wheel, which people don't know. Is people um, fans would line up. I mean, Wizard had just a bunch of stuff. We had everything, and things we didn't want, we would put into a truck and ship there, and they would be our prizes for the prize wheel. Uh, and then fans would come up and be like, ah, I know everything about Gundam something or other. Yeah. <laughs> and then we would have like a binder full of trivia mm -hmm. and we would ask them a question. And then they yeah, would spin they the got, wheel. The craziest part was that they got to present the topic. My yeah. favorite one was one time a guy came up and he looked so smart at me like he already knew that he got me. And he goes, old time radio. And it just so happens that on the wildly off chance that this guy comes up at this time, I actually know a lot about old-time radio. I used to listen to it all the time when to fall asleep as a kid. My <laughs> dad had these tapes that my grandma gave him or something. And so I busted out a question that was harder than it needed to be and definitely harder than I would have done it if anybody else had just kind of nicely brought up the topic. Oh, yeah. And I nailed him, man. He couldn't. It was like, name the three singer, name three singers who are on the Jack Benny program. And he just went, and then didn't get it. So, so like... <laughs> <laughs> but normally I was much nicer because it was a really fun thing. Oh yeah, act with fans and and give them free stuff, especially when like a kid would come up. Yeah, and we had like nice like Bowen statues yeah. and you know, a bunch of comics. I remember just like getting people handfuls of comics. Yeah, because uh, we didn't want to pack everything back up. We just yeah. started all the stuff. Yeah, you all get it. Um, so how did you transition from internship to getting a job there? And where was your first job in Wizard? Uh. It was in research, and what happened was my internship ended in the summer. I went back and I finished my last year of school. But before I left, I talked to 
Alex Segura, who was our intern coordinator, and maybe also Joe Yanarella, who was like executive editor or something. He was a big deal there too. Yeah. And the the thing they told me was stay in contact. And so I did. You know, I would email them every now and then just to see what was going on. If I wrote anything for like Newsarama, which I would wound up doing a few pieces for. Or just little blog posts or whatever. Yeah. I would send it to them. Just keep my name in their head a little bit. And Alex wound up leaving in that time. But Joe was still there. And so I graduated. I stuck around Toledo for like three or four months. Wondering like what am I going to do with my life. (laughs) I'm working at the same bagel shop I worked at all throughout high school and college when I was home. Just, you know, having a good time with my friends you know, kind of as a pseudo adult, still living with my parents, but just wondering like, what is going to happen? And then one day I still remember it. I was going to the Kroger, which is a grocery store in the Midwest and the (laughs) South. I bought many a comic at Kroger. Right. And I got a call on my phone and I looked down, I don't think I recognized the number, but I knew it was from New York. And so I picked it up and it was Joe Yanarella asking if I wanted to come out for an interview. And I, I had this image in my mind because I stopped on a trash can and I like was writing something down because they wanted me to fly out and do an interview. And then like after I was so excited and after I was done I ran in and, and did the arm. But I, I realized that like somebody had did something very disgusting to that garbage can. <laughs> it it reeked. <laughs> but I didn't notice at all because I was so psyched about, you know, the possibility of getting this job. <laughs> and then I came out, I did the interview and wound up getting it. And I, I think like the whole from offer or from interview to getting the job. It was only like a month. And so I, I moved right out there and uh, just got to work in the research department. And well, what kind of job is is the research job? I mean, isn't that a lot of uh, notation and finding random things, finding images? Right. The way that I would describe it, and really the way it was described to me when I first heard about it, because I had no idea what a research department did, but any image, any photo or picture or comic book cover that showed up in the magazine was grabbed by the research team. So we would sometimes just be sent stuff, like if it was a preview or like a big deal image about like a new event or whatever, the companies would send things over. But other times we would go to different press sites for movies and TV shows and grab from there. Um, and then, of course, the mandate was do it as free as possible while still being legal. <laughs> yeah. So we discovered, <laughs> I discovered pretty early on that, like, the NBC press website had a lot of photos of celebrities because they would appear on The Tonight Show. And so you could ah. zoom in and get a quick a quick uh, headshot of those guys. But, <laughs> yeah. you, I learned a lot of weird tricks doing that and all this copyright stuff about, you know, making sure everything was listed and it showed up really tiny in the <laughs> in the margins of the magazine. I mean, how rewarding was that? I mean, did it seem did it seem did it seem worth it <laughs> to to go out there and that, that was your first job? It seemed worth it because I knew I was getting my foot in the door. Yeah. Uh the job itself again, it kind of appealed to my my nature of wanting to organize and and find things and that worked out well. But I mean, from like a creative level, not really. It wasn't very satisfying. <laughs> I got to sit in on a few editorial meetings. Actually, when I was an intern, I think I was more involved in that process. But every now and then, I would get an interview opportunity or to do Book of the Month or one of those Wizard Insiders 
that was like a big spread with different boxes. And yeah. so I was able to kind of write and kind of learn from that and work with some editors that actually were really uh, great teachers kind of in this form because, you know, you're working on a deadline, you've got to match a certain style and tone. All these things that I kind of use now, I learned from them. And uh, so it was it was helpful. I think I did that for like three years. Oh, really? Yeah, I Jeez. was doing that. I was getting pretty fed up, actually, because originally when I got there and from what I'd seen as an intern and heard from different people talking, like you would start out as an intern. You could move up to a job if it worked out for you. And that job was usually in the research department. And then from research, you would move up to staff writer, editor, whatever. And uh, I think I might have been one of the last people that that actually worked for. <laughs> and even yeah. for me, it took a while because um, other guys wound up getting jobs. And it was no fault of their own. But at the time, we were like, what is happening? Like, I think Kyle Fegley went from intern to staff writer. Hmm. And at the time, I was like, whoa, 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 what is going on? <laughs> There's uh, a line, Buster. I, yeah, I'm supposed to be maybe the guy. I don't know. I don't know if, if I'm even good enough, but I <laughs> I thought I should be in the in the running. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I think we uh, when you interviewed Steve, he went from – he wasn't even an intern. He just – he got the, the – yeah. So that was, was the norm yeah. for a while. And then uh, it kind of became the norm eventually towards the end. But – yeah, the idea was to kind of get your foot in the door. Plus, the nice thing about research was that I was in contact with people at all of the comic book companies. Yeah. So I was I was contacting. At the time, Alex Segura was in PR like he is now. And so I would say, hey, man, can you send us these pictures of Superman or, you know, his his counterpart over at Marvel and all the companies, really. So I kind of got to know people through that who most of which are still in the industry, really. Oh, yeah. Um, well, when did, did you get up to Toy Fair in 2008? Oh, no. Uh, well, uh, I'm trying to, what was the... Yeah, oh, yeah. I think it was about 2008. I interviewed for a research job that Matt Powell got. So did Matt Powell replace you in research? Yes. So you moving up to Toy Fair is what got me my first interview at Wizard. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's right. It, actually, what happened, I got moved up to Toy Fair, and I think Matt started doing our price guide or something yeah he was, he was doing two things and then he left because he didn't want to deal with it anymore as far as i know <laughs> uh yeah and then and so that that was around that time so how did you move up to toy fair this is slightly complicated <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the longest time toy fair was justin who you mentioned zach Oat, and john gutierrez we've had two of the three you gotta get zach Oat on here at some point yeah definitely he'll be a great interview oh yeah so Justin and Zach were mainly in charge of editorial. John did price guide. And then all three of them would get together with some of the wizard guys and do Twisted Toy Fair Theater. And at some point, Justin went and got a different job somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. Which he talked about, I think. And yeah. then at that point, I, I threw my hat into the ring. I talked to my boss in research. Our staff had been kind of... Uh, dwindled down a little bit but i was like hey man i know this would leave you in a jam but do you mind if i move on and he was super supportive uh dan riley that's his name he was he's the best guy oh yeah guys i've ever met yes and fully supported it so i moved up or i i threw my hat in the ring i did an interview and i wound up getting the job i think they interviewed maybe one or two other outside people and then wound up 
going with me, which was nice. Because like I said, I was getting kind of fed up. I wasn't sure if my job was going anywhere. And, you know, not any fault of their own, but most of the people who were still at Wizard didn't seem like they were going anywhere. And at that point, when the jobs were... Not by their choice, at least. <laughs> right. And, and people left. If they didn't leave on their own accord, it's not like that job was still open. That job basically was gone. Yeah. And everybody who was still around kind of morphed that job into <laughs> <Just> <laughs> responsibility. Absorbed it. Yeah. Borg style. <laughs> so I was there with Zach for a couple months, and then Zach got a job working somewhere else. Oh, he went to work for a website called Television Without Pity for a while. Yes, I remember that. At that point, I think Justin was getting pretty bummed out about whatever job he had taken and decided to come back when they, you know, talked to him about it. And so for one month, it was just me and not a month, maybe like a week. Yeah, (laughs) it was really quick because I remember all of this. Yeah, yeah. There was one part where like they were handing me stuff and, you know, like lead designer uh, Steve Blackwell and and Scott Gramling, the, the publisher or whatever, were coming in and being like, Hey, what about cover text? And I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Cause that was something that Zach just did. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't even know it was part of the process. And so for like a week, I kind of scrambled to, to get all that stuff done. Uh, and then Justin came in and we were kind of going full strength again for a brief time. Oh, and Adam Tracy, of course, was our managing editor yeah. at that time. But they also, they plucked him out as well to come up and be in my department. Right, right. You know, now that I think about it, I think he was pretty much doing double duty. Yeah, right? he was. Because I remember, like, I would need him for things, and he would be downstairs in Toy Fair. He was doing two jobs at once. <laughs> yeah, that was... I don't know how he did that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to have him on the show and ask how he did that. Oh, he would be a great interview. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he's got stories. I mean, everyone has stories. Uh, TJ's got you got some you, I mean you got some doozy stories but I don't want to like I don't know urge you into telling uh, <laughs> things you don't want to tell because we try and keep these things positive <laughs> yeah and I mean for the most part there were a lot of negative parts about working a wizard but you know the experience was great I got to meet so many good people uh, and frankly the stories are one of the positives about <laughs> working in the uh, in the business yeah since we were like the place that did the news, we and the people that worked there all knew creators on different levels, editors, and then people that worked more behind the scenes. And so you really wound up hearing a lot of stuff. And since there were guys who had been there for, you know, several years before me and, and some of the younger guys, like we would hear their stories and it was uh it was fun. <laughs> I mean what creators do you think like who did you talk to the most or who like did you end up becoming like broy with? of creators the i i kind of keep it pretty professional in that regard but the one creator that i i would consider a good friend is actually jim mccann oh yeah and he actually started out as the pr guy at marvel so i was contacting him first through that and then when some of our guys went over and started working at marvel like uh, ryan panagos and ben morris um jim kind of wound up being in social situations with us not just like at cons but at some parties and get-togethers and things like that so i really got to know him and i've interviewed him for cbr a number of times and even for marvel.com a couple times so he's he's one of the guys that i i really became friends with and whose work i really enjoy 
Yeah. It, I completely missed them at Comic-Con because it's impossible to find somebody there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with Toy Fair, I mean, Toy Fair always had, as I've talked with uh, Justin and Goots about this, like, Toy Fair had a reputation of, I don't know, people could have mixed feelings about Wizard. Everybody loved Toy Fair. Yeah. Um, so, like, what was that like being on the inside uh, of working at a magazine that was kind of, like, just universally beloved? <laughs> it was pretty awesome because, I mean, for a while there, Wizard was really getting a pounding. Uh, and, like, with a lot of things, it seemed like maybe a part of it was deserved. And then a lot of it wasn't. Um, one guy did an entire video blog about an article that one of our guys wrote <laughs> interviewing an artist. And the artist made a comment about something like his neighbor dying. And the guy did a video blog about it and was like crying about it and saying how the writer was being insensitive and all this stuff, and it was like, and that like made this huge backlash. And there was all this, all these random things that would happen. Jeez. And at the mean, meanwhile, you know, you were there. You know that the guys that worked in editorial were trying to do their best, but there were forces yeah. kind of working against us. I had never before then been around that many people that genuinely loved comics, and were also genuinely smart about comics. Yeah, which explains like why so many of them are now you know, editors at other companies trying to do the best they can. Like, everyone has gone on to bigger and better things because all these people genuinely loved comics. Right, and part of working at Wizard was kind of seeing how the sausage is made a little bit. Yeah. And that can be tough to your, like, childhood fan side, you know? <laughs> but when it's your job and it's something that you're kind of wanting to invest a lot of time and effort in, it's good to kind of have maybe some of those... uh you know, mirages fade and, and really understand how things work. And, uh, you know, you can still enjoy comics as much as anything, but you kind of know <laughs> where things are coming from a little yeah. bit. Well, and with Toy Fair, I mean, I remember when I was there, you guys would have Toy Fair panels at the shows where, like, people would bring you White Castle, I think. I, I wasn't at the that one that brought White Castle. Yeah, that happened, to, I think that was, was that Chicago, maybe? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which was uh, weird, because that was such an old, I mean, that was like a gag I remember reading in Wizard and maybe Toy Fair way back in the day. Uh, but it was nice because, like I said, there was a lot of interference and things coming down from on high at Wizard, but we didn't really have to deal with any of that stuff because, you know, Hasbro didn't necessarily buy as many ads as, like, DC would have in Wizard. Yeah. So you had to be careful about not making somebody too mad, and we had to deal with a little bit of that, but for the most part, we were just kind of... Showing off toys. I mean, incoming was a giant section in the front that just showed off. Hey, these are coming up. Oh yeah. Uh, Here's the details. Um, and then we would do different features, and we would try to base them on like things that were coming up, movies, events. My favorite issue that we ever did was one that celebrated the year 1984. We realized, no, was it 85? Oh, is it the year that, like, Ghostbusters 2 and... It was 84 because it was the 25th anniversary. So yeah. It and I don't even remember how that one got going, but I think we were kind of looking around. Nothing really big was happening as far as, like, a toy-based movie, because obviously we would tap into that whenever possible. And I'm looking at something, and I'm like, Justin, Ghostbusters came out in 1984. Um, 
just went down the line, and all these toy lines came out, all this stuff, and yeah, so we were G. able to... Joe Transformers. Yeah, we were able to build this awesome themed issue around that idea, and that actually led to me interviewing John Landis. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, which was huge. It, I think that happened because Mattel was starting to do the Ghostbusters toys, and, you know, I would just get crazy ideas and be like, hey, what if we reached out to so-and-so or see if this guy can hook us up with an interview over here. And, you know, a lot of times it'd be like, well, I don't know if it'll happen. I was like, I'll try. I don't care. What am I, you know, I'm not going to lose anything. And I think he was one of those guys that we got hooked up with. And it wound up being so last minute that we had planned, like, another feature to go in its place if we needed to. Oh, wow. Uh, and I got to interview him in the office. And I made sure to, like, stake my claim to that one. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, I set that one up, but Justin got to interview Mel Brooks, which was pretty rad, and I got to be in the room for that one, so we, we kind of traded off on those. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, how involved did you get to be in, like, Twisted Toy Fair Theater and, like, uh, Big Shots and all of that? Pretty involved. Um, when, it, when I moved up, it was, uh, John was still there, and Adam would sit in on the meetings when he could, and then we would basically sit in a room, come up with an idea try and figure out what would be somewhat timely or just go back to, you know, Mego Spidey and make fun of whatever event Marvel was doing at the time. <laughs> yeah, it's classic. Yeah, and usually in, like, a dark conference room, everybody writing things down and just trying to hash it out and bounce ideas off of each other and jokes and all this stuff. And then once the kind of notes were typed up, we had a, a larger team on an email chain that we would send things to and say, hey, guys, what do you think? And then we would either incorporate the notes or not. And when Zach was there, he kind of took charge of that. And then when it was Justin, he took charge of it. And we would do um, thumbnails, sketches, to give to our photographer so he would know how to pose the toys. Yeah, because Goots didn't, Goots did, John Gutierrez did the storyboards, if I recall correctly. Yes, and he then, did and when he left, Justin did them, and Justin is a bad artist, but yeah. I can't talk because I'm also a terrible artist, yeah. so it wouldn't have been any better. <laughs> and then Dylan Brucey was the photographer when I was there. Yep. Right? yep. Yeah. He was there my whole time. Zach would shoot a few things, but Dylan was the main guy. And that and that, that he, area, the, the the area where he shot TTT was just fantastic. The pit. Yeah. Yep. Because they had entire cabinets filled with Migos. <laughs> that were the regular ones plus the custom ones that they had made and all kinds of toys. There was a separate toy library that was another room just filled with boxes labeled as well as we could and with every toy in a bag. And so there were certain limitations of things that we couldn't use or just didn't want to use. But for the most part, we had pretty free reign. And then Big Shots, I think we just went into the toy library and grabbed toys, really, and... Um, would give them to Dylan, and he would take pictures, and then we would look at those and sometimes pass pass them around the email chain or the editorial staff, and just have people suggest jokes. Yeah, Justin would choose which ones would go in. So it was it was a pretty that was a simple process. Such it sounds like so much fun. It sounds like yeah. a dream dream job. It really was. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had because I got so much experience. I got to do editing, which is something I hadn't done before, but I still got to write, and I got to interview people and make some of the similar connections that I made in the comic 
industry in toys. And at that point, I had kind of realized that, you know, toys were something that I was into long before comics. Yeah. So it was cool to kind of branch into a different side of my, my geekery. Yeah. <laughs> now, you were there uh, well after I was. I don't know if I'll, how deep we want to get into your last, I don't know, year there? Was that a long... Uh, like, that was a... I worked... You you were gone before the city move, right? Uh, the it, the city move was happening. I had a I had to go to a couple of meetings in the city okay. at that office, so one or two. Um, I was gone April '09. Okay, so, okay, so you know, for, for listeners, at, at one point we all worked in a place called Congress, which is nowhere that anybody should ever know of. <laughs> it is near a huge mall. Oh, I kind of missed the Palisades. Like that place was insane. <laughs> yeah, we would go pretty much every Tuesday to lunch there. And even if you don't want to buy, you could bring your own lunch and just eat yeah. it there with everybody. And then we would go to Best Buy and buy uh, new CDs and movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you, they moved offices from there to Manhattan. Uh, In the middle of the fashion district. Yeah. Actually, if anybody listening was a Project Runway fan, oh, it's yeah. the it's building. So it's where those people lived. <laughs> I was told. <laughs> Because I went down with my wife and a friend of hers just to scope it out ahead of time, and they both started freaking out. And I was like, I, what's what? And they're like, that's the building. And I thought it was kind of funny that it was the Atlas building, because we were right around the corner from Marvel. Uh, yeah. But before that, like the threat of moving came up. <laughs> it was like a five or six month thing, really. It just went on and on. And uh, between them announcing it and it actually happening, they like cut anime insider at that point yep yeah and they cut a lot of people including yourself and uh, was joe that same time no joe it was like joe jody all of wizard uh staff writers and i think eric goodman one of the designers all got there was like a seven of them all got the same day yeah so uh, it was basically like almost everyone that i talked to <laughs> yeah it's so hard to keep everything straight because yeah. the other thing that happened at that point was the wizard building was two stories and they made everybody from downstairs move upstairs because one of their plans was to rent out the first floor because i remember them trying to show it off and you know trying to get people to buy the first floor to rent out his offices and that just never happened and it always looked like murderers yeah (laughs) i'm the the people walked by had like shifty eyes they looked like the neighbors from the burbs it was so (laughs) creepy And you could tell, I mean, because we didn't take very good care of that place, and I'm pretty sure nobody cleaned it. No, that, that was the thing. Is like It was like everyone, because downstairs was editorial, so that's where all the stuff was. It's where all the statues and comics and toys were, and it really just looked like it had been raptured. Because people didn't move everything upstairs. People they just like, took their computer and went upstairs. And so sometimes I would just get bored, and I would go down to the first floor where all the lights were off. <laughs> and I would just like go shopping, basically. Yep. Like, I was just like, oh, there's a action figure I want. The person who yep. had that left a year ago. Yep. yep. There was a lot of that. That was It, it was a good place to get stuff, that's for sure. <laughs> um, all you people that coveted... All the furniture. Yeah. Do you remember that? Like, at one point, I think they sold off all the furniture from downstairs. And so, if there were things on a shelf, they basically just flipped the shelf over, dumped everything out, and took the furniture out. So it looked even more like the furniture rapture at that point. So, that was after I left. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So Jeez. weird and creepy. 
And uh, eventually we did get moved down to this city. That was a giant, you know, kind of pain. But uh, I was there for three months. It was the summer, so it was actually kind of nice. And it was the summer of 2009, I want to say. Yeah, that makes sense. Going into, like, September. I got laid off in September. And that was you. I mean, it was you and Justin at that point. I mean, it had just been just the two of you running Toy Fair for a while. Because your managing editor, Kate, had been moved over to another project. Right. She got... <laughs> they did this thing called Fair Play, or Toy Wishes, depending on when you were looking at it. And it was a toy magazine that was supposed to have, like, some humor, but be aimed at parents. Yeah. And it would. It was supposed to come out... I think it originally came out, like, once a year. And I remember in research, <laughs> when it would come up, they'd just be like, ugh, we gotta do this thing again. And they would do, like, toy shoots and all this stuff. Well, and also, it wasn't... It wasn't toys that Toy Fair would cover either. It was just no. like, oh, here's a weird kite, and here's like some learning blocks, and you know. Yeah, it was all for like little kids and parents, and that was right when <laughs> the Obama <laughs> thing was happening. When he got elected president, like, yeah. He was in Amazing Spider Man, he was in like Young Blood and Savage Dragon, all this yep. stuff. And so I think he wound up being on like of the Fair Play covers that year or something. They so. started shoving him on every cover. I mean, they oh. shoved him on the cover of Wizard. Oh, the um, Alex Ross one. Yeah, and that did really well. And then, like, the mandate was to put him on the cover of everything. I feel like I remember talking to Justin about him trying to figure out how to justify putting Obama on the cover of Toy Fair. I don't think we ever did it, but we there was a toy cover of Obama on yeah. Fair Play. One, one of the, they would do, like, five or six covers, which was weird, because Nobody knew anything about that magazine. I mean, I never saw sales numbers, but it was one of those weird things that we just seemed to do for no real reason. Yeah, and how... I don't. Even, I also don't understand the logistics of a magazine that comes out once a year. Like, yeah. who gets that? It, you don't have subscriptions to it, obviously, but... I guess you just see it at the store. I, Is it doctor's offices? Who knows? That would probably be smart, but yeah, I, don't, I think that was mostly a, an ad-based <laughs> project because but, they did sell a pretty good deal of ads. It was just you and Justin upstairs uh, towards the time I left. And I remember I would just come in there just to kill time a lot because my my wing of the upstairs had been completely gutted. It had gone from, like, 15 people being in my office to just me and Adam and Kate. Yep. Um, and so <laughs> I would just walk around and just try to interact with human beings, and I would come and bug you and Justin as much. Was Jim in there at that time, too? Jim Gibbons, who has oh, also been on this podcast. Yes, he was in with us for a little while, I think. There yeah. was also the wizard office across the way from us. Um, but yeah, it was a weird time just because nobody really knew what was going on. Um, pe- nobody was really happy about the New York move, except for maybe you, because you actually lived down there. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird thing, because I was like, oh, this, I was like, this is horrible, and this is dumb. I am so glad I'm not going to have to commute anymore. <laughs> Uh, so it was like this weird mixed bag for me. I just like had to pipe pipe down and not say much. <laughs> I know, I mean, which is totally understandable because it's a, it's a hike. But it was just weird because they're like, "Hey, we're moving out of the city. Why? We've got an office down there." Okay, are you selling? <laughs> Did you sell this building? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all live up here. Oh well, you know. Yeah, and we're not going to pay you any more to work in the most expensive city in the country. Did you um did you see it coming when the end came? Did you know your time was your time was up? I mean, not the actual day of or anything, but you've talked on the show with the different guys about how people were getting fired all the time. 
for a while, I think even before you got there, it was Thursdays. Oh, yeah, it was Thursdays. Every every Thursday, we call them Black Thursdays, we lost at least one person. And it started off with, like, the second highest person in each department. Yeah. Uh, and then it would kind of go down, and then eventually whole departments were cleared out, and magazines, and all this stuff. So, uh, I mean, I was looking for other jobs kind of throughout this entire time, but I wasn't sure what to do. Before I worked in the city, I didn't want to work in the city. Um, just because it, for, I'm, I'm in Orange County, New York, so it's like an hour and a half train ride. Oh, uh, yeah. City. When I was working at the building in the fashion district, we it took me two hours from leaving the house to get to the office, which was tough. But we didn't, you know, we didn't have a kid at the point at that point, and uh, my wife was working, and I just got home like an hour after her, so it wasn't too bad. So I kind of looked down in the city for jobs, but this was at the same time that the economic crisis started happening. Yeah. So everybody was doing hiring freezes, and I even interviewed for a couple jobs that just never even got filled. Um, <laughs> and I went on some weird interviews, but <laughs> we have to we have to talk about some of those, I feel, or at some point because there are some funny. <laughs> I'll tell one. I don't even think I told you this story <laughs> in Comic Con because I don't even know who it was with. I would check, you know, Craigslist. There's sites like Media Bistro and Journalism Jobs, and. <laughs> On Craigslist, I should have known, there was a job, and it had this, like, ridiculous amount of money they were paying, and it was for a fashion and gossip magazine or newspaper or something, and so I was like, whatever. (laughs) I don't care. I I will try anything. And I think the draw for that was that you could do it from home. Yeah. And I was pretty intrigued by that, and so I set up an interview think everything was over email and i went oh man i my my city geography was really terrible then i don't really know where i was but i went in this really big nice apartment building and i went into this room and it was like nicely decorated there's two kind of older guys that looked like they were dressing up more than they needed to or or should have been and they start laying out the job and clearly i've been rope and dope like they offered one thing and then this job was like Oh yeah, um, we'll pay you like fifteen bucks per post and all this stuff. I was like, whoa, well, wait a minute. <laughs> First of all, there was there was a higher number in the ad. Second of all, are are you thinking this is like on the side? Like there was a complete disconnect between the two of us. And I just remember thinking like, this this clearly isn't going to work out. And then immediately after that, I hope I don't get murdered here. Because I realized that they didn't live in this place. Like, I think it's like an apartment you could rent to do meetings and stuff. Oh. And so I got a little freaked out and, and tried to get out of there as soon as possible. But uh, that was that was weird. And they were kind of like L.A. type dudes and, and just a really strange situation. <laughs> and then that, that site became Entertainment Weekly Online. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. No, it was going to be like a free paper that they passed out. It would come out weekly. What in the world? And that doesn't make any sense. It was going to be completely ad-supported, which, as soon as they started saying that, I was like, this is clearly a trap. <laughs> I don't want to get murdered. I they just want your social security number. Yeah, just like yeah. anything. <laughs> Papers. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, since then, you now, um, you write for Marvel.com mm-hmm. and Comic Book Resources. Like, you have, you know, you've made your way. 
Yeah, I was completely, I, I don't mind telling this story. The way I actually got let go was I was in work on a Thursday, of course, and uh, had a normal day. Uh, like I was saying before, with, with all this stuff going on, at a certain point, I just kind of developed like a fatalistic attitude towards it. Yeah, I'm going to get fired at some point because <laughs> they're not going to fire Justin because he knows all the stuff. And there, there's nobody else in Toy Fair to fire. So it's going to be me. It's going to be at some point. So I really kind of enjoyed my time working in the city. Since it was the summer, I could walk around. I went to Times Square a bunch and would meet up with uh, a lot of the guys that were working down there. Yeah. Because a lot of wizard guys wound up, you know, working at Marvel, DC, different companies. So a lot of us would get together. Uh, and then, you know, I went home one night and around like 730, I get a phone call and I'm told that I am no longer working for wizard. Uh, would you mind, <laughs> do, do you still want to freelance for us? And which, you know, part of me was like, no, I don't want to freelance for you. But the other part that's like, hey, man, you need to pay some bills. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And, you know, I handled it pretty well. And uh, I think Jim talked about it on an episode too, right? Like it was the same day that he got let go too. Oh, yeah. And uh, he and I like emailed each other right away because we were kind of the last younger guys still there and kind of both knew it was going to happen eventually yeah so uh that night i emailed a bunch of my contacts just letting them know that i wasn't the person to contact anymore and immediately ben morse and ryan panagos said hey man come over and write for marvel.com so that's that started almost immediately um Topless Robot is another website that was a really big deal for me early on. That's yeah. the Village Voices kind of pop culture nerd blog. Because a guy named Rob Bricken, who used to work for Wizard and Anime Insider, used to run that site. And so that was really nice to get into. Um, I mean, I've worked for a lot of different places, and half of them aren't around anymore. UGO was one. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Click was like a USA-based video game blog that one of my former Toy Fair freelancers wound up running, and so I wound up freelancing for him. Um, luckily, that, that's, that was another plus of, of working for Toy Fair in that capacity was because I had freelancers working under me that I would go to when we had certain things that we needed to do that Justin and I couldn't handle. And that was most of the writing, actually. And so we kind of developed relationships that wound up going on to this day. And then after like a year or two... I started working for CBR, and that's my main uh, job now. I do three daily posts for spinoff every morning, and then I do uh, the Boom and Archaea beat. That started a couple months ago, and then before that I was the image contact. Um, yeah. So I'm still kind of in contact with a lot of the people that I used to talk to going even back to Wizard. So there's a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's the thing. Everybody that got fired before me was like, it's so much better now that it's done. Uh, you know, and, and like you said, a lot of people have gone on to do really cool things. And for us at that time, I was kind of looking around at other jobs in the city. And my wife and I decided that we wanted to start having kids. And so it made more sense for me to stay here and bring in whatever freelance I could and also raise our daughter Yeah, uh, to not only pay to go down in this city, which is pretty expensive, but also then pay for daycare because we're out here on our own pretty much. Um, so it would have been expensive, plus I kind of knew what an entry-level job at some of the companies would 
would be, and it just it didn't work out. So this wound up being kind of a really good mix, and uh, that's what I'm still doing today. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Uh, so yeah, um, thanks for being on the show. I always like hearing more Wizard Tales. I know our listeners do. I I hear from them sometimes. Yeah. Um, where can people find you on the internet aside from Marvel.com, comic book resources? I have far too many blogs. <laughs> I, uh, my pop culture blog, where I just kind of review movies and comics and stuff, is unitedmonkey.com, but it's M-O-N-K-E-E. Uh, and then I have a dad-specific blog, where I do these kind of photo diary posts uh, that were inspired by uh, James Kachalka, the American Elf guy. He, he used to draw a strip every single day, but I can't draw, so I started taking pictures and doing little notes. Oh, yeah. And, I also do a podcast on there called the Pop Papa Napcast. And then <laughs> I am on Twitter at Papa Deech, which is P-O-P-P-A-D-I-E-T-S-C-H. Awesome. We'll check all that out. Do it. As for next week's episode, we will be reading Thor number 344 through 349 by the legendary Walt Simonson. Of course, we're reading that because Thor The Dark World, the sequel to the Asgardian God of Thunder's solo movie, is coming out this week. So uh, jump on in to the Bifrost and traverse the Milky Way. I don't know a lot about Thor or Norse mythology. Uh, But that's what we're reading next week. If you're interested in purchasing Thor number 344 through 349, you can visit mattandbrettlovecomics.com and buy a printing of that story through the Amazon links in the episode show notes. And any purchase that you make on Amazon through us kicks a little bit of money back our way, which uh, we need. Um, You can also purchase next week's reading via the Comixology links on our site. And while you're at mattandbrettlovecomics.com, why don't you check out a few of our old wizard tales, like TJ's co-workers Justin Acklin and John Gutierrez, who did two separate wizard tales episodes. Or you can listen to Dark Horse editor Jim Gibbons and freelance awesome writer Josh Wiggler talking about their time at Wizard together with me in Portland. We also love hearing from our listeners, so tell us what you think about this or any past episode on our website or Facebook page at facebook.com slash theylovecomics. You can also find links to both Matt and mine's social media presence under the Who Loves Comics tab on the website. And if you fancy what you've heard here today, rate and review the show on iTunes, because it helps us out a lot, and we like reading about us, ourselves. Most importantly, every one of you is our best spokesperson, so tell literally everyone you know about this show. That would be rad. As always, thanks to our producer, Bitter Geeb, and until next time, I'm Brett, I'm not Matt, but I know that we both love comics. 